Good morning, church family. Today, good morning. <laughs> Today we are going to be focusing on James 1.27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Our current definition of the word orphan is someone who has lost both of our parents. Most of us think of little orphan Annie or Bruce Wayne. But this is not the biblical definition of orphan. In the Old Testament, the word is yotom, which we see 42 times, and sometimes it is translated as orphan, and sometimes it is translated as fatherless. Since the father was the main provider and protector of a family, if a child was to lose their father, they were considered an orphan. This is so why so often in the Old Testament scriptures, we see orphans and widows mentioned together because both are referring to those who have lost their main protector and provider. Adoptive and foster children don't really like to be called orphans because most of them have, still have family. But under our biblical definition of losing the person that protects and provides for you, these children are orphans. I grew up surrounded by an adoptive family. My maternal grandmother was very active in the missions of her church. With her church during the um, refugee crisis when Vietnam was closing down, she partnered with them in order to help more than 100 people get settled and sponsored here in the United States. My grandfather, who was a pilot, actually rescued six teenagers from a refugee camp who would become my adoptive aunts and uncles. This is a picture of my family. That is my grandmother and grandfather my mom, and all of my aunts and uncles. And when I was a kid, I didn't understand the gravity of what my grandparents have done. But when I look at this picture, I count the cost. When I look at this picture as an adult, I can count the cost. I can imagine the rooms filled with bunk beds, the extra clothing, the extra food, the extra money that was required. I think of the trauma that these kids had experienced as they were placed in this home in a different country and trying to process what had happened to them. I think of my biological aunts and uncles whose lives were turned upside down, the sacrifice. I think about the fact that they didn't have a lot of money, but in partnership with their church, they were able to care for widows, orphans, refugees. I know many of us have examples of people like this in our lives. Those that have adopted family members because parents were no longer able to care for them. Those that have adopted infants because biological parents were not ready to be parents. Those that have fostered because biological parents were not able to provide and protect those children for a season or maybe even permanently. 
Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, daily deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow him. Taking on the care of foster or adoptive children is a daily sacrifice that you make in love. This is why James calls this type of religion faultless and pure. Jesus did not call us to a life of comfort. James knew this. He was Jesus' half-brother. He grew up with him. He heard his messages. He saw his suffering and sacrifice and his death. Let's pause there for a minute. James was Jesus' half-brother. Jesus himself was adopted by Joseph. Jesus was part of a blended family. Just want that to settle with everyone. <laughs> when James wrote this letter, he was the head of the church in Jerusalem. The church at the time had faced famine and persecution, but James didn't tell them to rush out, get all the supplies you need, get that toilet paper, and hunker down till it's over. No, James said, I am calling you to action, church. The letter of James is a call to action to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. James defines the neighbor as the poor, the oppressed, the widow, and the orphan. James 1.27 is better understood if we back up to James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now I know what you're thinking. This is a silly passage to focus on. Of course we should do what the Bible says. And who looks in a mirror and then forgets what they look like? James here is calling the believers not just to conviction, but to action. Let me say that again. Not just to conviction, but to action. How many of us have heard a really good sermon that just like cuts you to the bone? You know what I'm talking about? That sermon that's like you've got to tell people how it impacted you. You're telling your family, you're telling your friends, you're meeting with your small group. Maybe even you go up to Pastor Pete after his message and say, man, you really got me today. That hit me right here. But then you just go on with your life forgetting that mirror that the Holy Spirit has held up to you. Church family, I beg you not to mistake conviction for action. The Holy Spirit convicts so that we will be called to action. James specifically calls the church to the action of caring for widows and orphans because he knew this was God's heart. Isaiah 1:17 says, "Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow." Psalm 68, 5 through 6 says, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, that he sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. Our God is so good. He wants us to be whole, complete 
part of his family. The gospel is not just Jesus' death on the cross paying the price for our sins. God didn't stop at just forgiving us and leaving us on our own. No. What happened on the cross was a mass adoption. God said, not only am I going to cover you with the righteousness of my son's blood, I am going to adopt you as my children, as heirs to all that is mine. God loves adoption. He loves when we set the lonely in families because that's what he wants for each one of us. I remember the moment that the Holy Spirit convicted me of this truth. When I truly understood and felt God's heart for the lonely, for the orphan. I did a short-term missions trip to Romania right out of high school. I work with a team volunteering in children's hospitals and orphanages. Romania had been run by a communist dictator, Nikolai Ceausescu. From 1965 to 1988, before he was executed. Nikolai was terrible for a lot of reasons, but one of his goals was to amass power by population explosion. He enacted policies and encouraged his people to have as many children as possible. He told them, don't worry if you can't afford to keep them. We will take them and put them in these amazing children's houses. Many of these houses were poorly run, abusive, underfunded, and overcrowded. It is estimating that during Nikolai's rule, more than 500,000 children were orphaned. This missing organization that I was with was constantly sending over teams and supplies to help the orphans of Romania. We had been working all day in an orphanage doing activities with the kids when I felt a tap on my shoulder. A staff member invited me and another leader to follow them. I didn't know where we were going or what was happening as they ushered us down hallways. And before we went into a room, they said, you're not allowed to take any pictures. When they ushered us into the 8 by 10 room, it was filled with babies in bassinets. My heart broke as my 18-year-old mind did the math of what kind of care these kids were receiving with the amount of staff that was there. I didn't know what to do. I just laid hands on every baby and prayed for them. Church family. That is the moment that I got a glimpse of God's heart. How much it grieves him to have his children not being cared for. How much it grieves him not to have the lonely in families. The Holy Spirit's conviction calling to action. God's heart is for the orphan. And aren't we so glad that it is because all of us were once orphans. The Bible says in Romans 8 that we have been adopted to sonship. Adopted to sonship is a Greek word, weathasia, which is a legal term meaning being adopted with all the rights of a son. Now that doesn't mean that only men get to be adopted into the family. What it means is that in God's kingdom, whether male or female, we all get to partake in the rights of heirs of a son. But our adoption wasn't free. 
It was costly, and it required sacrifice. We were paid for by the blood of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. God himself asks us to care for his children just like he cares for us. The sacrificial love comes at a cost. But we, how can we not act when we know what God did for us? My favorite part of working in foster care and adoptions is going to finalizations because this beautiful picture unfolds when an adoption is finalized. You have the adoptive family who has done the work, who has sacrificed and paid the price. You have the attorney that is witness to that work that has been done. And you have the judge who proclaims that this child has been adopted and is now an heir. This is the same picture we see in scripture. Jesus has paid the price. He has given the sacrifice. The Holy Spirit testifies that we are sealed and children of God. And then God himself proclaims us as his children, as heirs to all he has. In the courtroom, the judge will say to the adoptive family, do you understand that by doing this, You have to love and care for this child just like they were your own biological children. And then he goes even further and says, do you understand that by adopting this child, they will become heirs to all that you own? If we understood this concept, it would blow our minds the extent of the love of God and what he has done for us. God God is our creator, but we became slaves to sin. But God chose to pay the price so that we could be adopted back into his family. As of this morning, there are at least 140 million orphans in the world today. 140 million. That's a huge number. But I have a better number for you. There are over 2.3 billion, billion with a B, professing Christians in the world today. That means that if only 6%, not even a tithe, not even 10, just if 6% of people would say, God, this is not okay. I want to take action. We could end this crisis. Maybe that's too big of a number. In the state of Washington, there are 10,000 children in foster care. Over 2,000 of them are waiting for adoption. There are over 6,000 churches in the state of Washington. That means that if each church could raise up just two families, We would have waiting families instead of waiting children sleeping in a hotel room because there's no place for them to go. So what do we do? The biggest need in our state, in our county, in our area is foster families. Because 80% of foster families quit within the first year or their first placement. Because in an overwhelmed system with overwhelmed social workers, foster families are overwhelmed and they feel alone. We will be partnering with a national organization called Promise 686 that works with agencies 
and churches to help them resource these families. I want you guys to watch this video to learn a little bit more about what we'll be doing. Every child matters. Each one is infinitely precious to God. That's why we're called to care about the child welfare system. Think of the American child welfare system as a path. Each year, four million children travel some part of it. That's enough to fill every Major League Baseball and NFL stadium. But we as the church can walk with these vulnerable children every step of the way. A child steps into the child welfare path when someone says something needs to change. If there's abuse or neglect, the child moves further down the path. But if the family's simply struggling, sometimes the best way to care for a child is to care for the caretaker. The preservation of a family can be the church's first opportunity to love a child in need. A new crib or a bill payment could mean the difference between staying in a loving home or a sojourn through the child welfare system. When possible, we strengthen families in crisis in hopes they won't break apart. Intervention is necessary when a child is suffering abuse or neglect. Still, leaving home is traumatic, and children carry their pain with them into a foster home. Most foster families don't last a year. That's why volunteers from local churches are vital. Foster families surrounded by support teams typically foster for multiple years. Help with meals, transportation, childcare, and taking breaks can make all the difference in the hard and heroic work of fostering. When a child is placed in a foster home, connection is critical for their well-being. Some children will reconnect with their biological parents, a family in crisis is restored, and bonds are rebuilt. For other children, adoption is their best hope for a permanent connection. But adoption can be scary, confusing, and expensive. Churches can be powerful allies for foster and adoptive parents. Educating, mentoring, and assisting families enlarges the heart of a congregation. We can also extend a sense of belonging to a child who may have never felt such love before. The ultimate destination of the child welfare path is where a child is placed in a home that will love and nurture her forever. This is permanence, and it's always the goal to bring them home. No government agency or well-meaning organization can take the place of a true family. To bring more children safely home, families need our support. Churches are filled with caring people who can wrap around these children and families making their way together. This is where Promise 686 takes its stand. Four million children travel the child welfare system each year. But 120 million Americans regularly attend church. The scale of the challenge is measured in stadiums. The scale of the solution is one child, one family, and one community. Promise 686 helps churches join in God's mission to set the lonely in families. We help preserve families where possible, support intervention where necessary, connect children to stable and secure families, and help them find a permanent home where they will be loved and cherished forever. We do everything we can to help every child we can. That's who we are. That's our mission. We pray you'll join us.
What I love about these four bases with the goal of bringing children into permanence, into home, is that our the first base, preservation, we are actively doing that as a church already. Through your donations and support, our deacons are partnering with organizations like Vine Maple Place, Passage Point, and the Food Bank. We are helping families stay together by providing for their basic needs. Through the work of our Missions Council, we are supporting CareNet, Genesis Project, Seattle Union Gospel Mission, and Olive Crest that all work to break the cycle of generational child welfare. And through our Stevens Ministry, we are providing Christian care and support to individuals going through a difficult season. Base two is intervention. This is a conversation, church, that we are going to continue to have. We are all going to continue to learn about the needs of children and families in our community. If today you are feeling God's calling on your heart to learn more about foster care, we're going to be having a Foster 101 on December 16th from 6.30 to 8.30. You can sign up with me back in the foyer or you can shoot me an email at sarahmaplevalleychurch.org if you'd like to learn more about that. But maybe you don't feel called to foster care or to adopt, but you want to support families who are. We're going to be launching care communities in January. That's six to eight people that wrap around a foster or adoptive family to bring them meals, to run errands, to pray for them, to to provide child care. If you're interested in that, please let me know. Base three is connection. If you are interested in adopting, we're going to be having some informational meetings over Zoom in January where you can learn more about this option. And finally, the goal at each phase is permanence. Whether these children and these families, we're helping with keeping them together with their biological families. Whether we are caring for these parents so that they can get help with the needs that they have so that they can be reunited with their children or whether we are adopting these children into our homes, the goal is to bring them home, to give them a permanent place. No matter what ends up happening, we will be bringing these kids and families into our church family and into the family of God. Today, we honor what is called Stand Sunday. It's where churches all across America stand up for the children in foster care. So what I want to ask you right now is if you have been sitting here and you feel like God has been putting on your heart this call to action, that maybe not right now, but in the next five years, you may be being called to foster or adopt a child. We want to pray for you. So if you're feeling that, I'm not, I'm not saying that if you stand, I'm signing you up. <laughs> but if God is putting that on your heart, we want to pray for you as you are on this journey. So if you are considering that right now, would you please stand? And maybe some of you in this room aren't feeling called to foster or adopt, but you feel this tug on your heart that maybe I can't do that, but I can definitely help someone who is. I can bring a meal. I can pray for someone. I can run errands. I can babysit. 
If you're feeling that tug on your heart right now, that call to action to support foster and adoptive families, we want to pray for you. Would you please stand? I love you guys so much. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this room full of people that have a heart for the things that break your heart, Lord. I pray that as you walk with them in these moments of them trying to feel what you are calling them to, that they would feel the conviction, but that it would lead them to action. Lord, we pray that as we reach out as a church to our community, as we want to love those that are lonely, that are fatherless, that are orphaned, Give us wisdom, give us strength to do this hard work, this sacrificial work. And I pray for your blessing and protection on those that you are calling. In your holy name we pray, amen.